Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So we will get into some questions here. You can ask questions about Elijah Page, offensive line recruiting, recruiting in general, team, whatever you would like to discuss. So let's dive into some questions, Ryan. We'll kick off with a super chat from Brandon Plensner. If Notre Dame lands Charles Jagasaw, would they have a starting O-line group committed? Out of that group, who would you put at right tackle, Absher and Jagasaw? So to answer the first part, Ryan, uh, if Notre Dame lands Jagasaw, would they uh, – would they then have a, a basically a starting a potential for a starting off a group of five that they can play together? Yeah, absolutely. You would have, I mean, left to right in a pro- projecting, you would have Monroe free. Um, I'm sorry. No, Elijah page at left tackle. You would have left guard would either be Sam Pendleton or a um, Sullivan Absher. Then you would have a center of Joe Otting. The right, right guard would be Sam Pendleton. And then the right tackle would be in this scenario, a, a Charles Jagasaw. So I guess I answered the second part of the question in my opinion is I mm-hmm. would, if I had to choose between one, one being a tackle, one being a guard, I think that I like Sullivan Absher better inside as far as I think Jagasaw has higher upside to play tackle right. than Sullivan Absher does. So I would keep Jagasaw at right tackle to begin in that right. scenario. Uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, that's exactly the lineup that I would go with. I would even consider kind of thinking about the, the the combo, I would actually probably move Sullen Absher to left guard and go Sam Pendleton right guard. I'm not sure. I didn't hear you. I, I was reading Pendleton. questions. I so. said Pendleton. I said Pendleton right guard. So okay, so that's kind page. of me too. Like so I would I would I would because I think Absher plays mostly right tackle now. Yep. I would move him to left guard. I think that just that long, big, Length. just yep. athletic combination on the left side would would be something I really like. We're we're, we're on that. the same Elijah page. Did you get it? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, uh, Absher, uh, would be a guard for us in that scenario. And Jagasaw would be a tackle, but at the same time, that's where I would, I would start them both. It's the first day of fall camp. I'm starting them both out of tackle. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I would say is, and then see who's more comfortable. I wouldn't immediately move. Uh, I'm not immediately moving so- Sullivan Absher to guard because here's the big, here's the big unknown. I've never seen the kid pass set. I know. Literally, I've never seen him take a college type of pass set ever. He may do it, and you're like, oh, put him at guard now. Move him now. Don't ever let him play another snap at tackle. He may also do it, and you're like, wow, that was smooth. We just don't know. We've only ever seen him go vertical. And that's this, that is sort of the 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 one thing I'm kind of hung up on Sullivan Absher, Ryan, when it comes to ranking him higher is it's hard for me to rank him higher, even though I love the size. I love a lot of those different things. But I just can't jump him up too high because I've never seen him take a real pass set. That's fair. Right. And so, but if he can do that, then I could easily see him. So that's a lot of where my guard projection comes from is because I can project what he's going to need to do at guard. 
And then the pass set thing isn't as bad because you don't have, you know, it's a different animal than playing tackle. But I would definitely start them both off. Uh, um, that would definitely start them both off at tackle and see who's the most comfortable and then move it okay. that way. You know, whoever's the best guy there is how I would kind of go with that one. Not, not the same exact situation, Brian, but it's also just kind of like how the college game is played now where like so much is RPO dictated and you're right. just like, can I ever see an offensive tackle do a 45 or a vertical set right. ever? Like it never happens. Everything's a jump set or just a play action. It's so right. frustrating. Right. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John A1 says, glad to see Paige pick the Irish. If he maintained his athleticism along with his current reported size, how does he compare to Monroe Freeling? I think Freeling has a little more upside because I just think he's a little better of an athlete. Not a ton, but I think he's a little better of an athlete. I think the length is pretty similar. I think they both project to be in left tackles, but I just think that Freeling is a slightly better athlete than Paige. I will say this to, to I think that if he is the 6'7", 300-pounds, and maintains athleticism, then he then becomes what Monroe Freeling is now. That's fair. And the reason I say that is, is because that's a that's a good thing. That's the that kinds of my whole top hundred guy because we think Monroe Freeling's really good. So if Elijah Page maintains the athleticism we saw on film at six seven three oh four three oh five with a little bit more pop, then he becomes Monroe Freeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, but I still, like you said, I think the upside for Monroe Freeling is there. I think Monroe Freeling also has a little bit more heaviness in his hands than Elijah Hash. A little more pop. A little bit more. So, like, if Elijah's who I think he is, I'd probably – I project him like, you know, if if the athleticism stays and and all the other things stay but the size fills out, he is a 75 to 90 national player, right? Like, that's a – and that's a jump. Monroe Freeling now is a top 50 guy. Now. Mm Mm-hmm. So it would take some regression, but the point is they're both really good football players. At the, I mean, re, the upsides for both is enormous. It's kind of like, it, I mean, it's 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 like the argument we're having now. Who's who's the better player, Joe Walter, Blake Fisher? Well, they're both really good players. I probably go with Blake Fisher, you know, for this reason. Somebody else may go with Joe Alt, Joe Alt for yeah. this reason. The reality is, it's kind of like you know who was better, the '80s Celtics or the '80s Lakers? Well. I'll take Lakers. either, right? Like Lakers. you know, take either. Fired. Ryan's gone. He's out. <laughs> He's done. Ryan's out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But the point is, is you're talking about two really good entities, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not like one's good and one's not good. You're talking about two strong aspects of it. Is, is the point? John mm-hmm. A. One also says, is it hard to judge the 24 offensive line class at this point? I would imagine the 24 class. We'll have some top talent after their junior years are played out. Our offensive tackle is that rare, or to just uh, that rare to just take six. I, I think it. I think that is the to me. Offensive line is always the hardest group to evaluate younger dudes, yeah. because what you find is you'll find guys like Peter Jones and, and just the guys are already big and strong. What you don't know is are they going to keep growing, and which could potentially mean they slow down and get stiff. Or do they stop growing, which means that's as good as they're going to get. I've said this before. 
I remember when Josh Myers was a was a sophomore in high school. I was like, this is one of the best high school offensive tackles I've ever seen. And then, but he just he kept getting bigger, but he got stiff as he as his body maturity got stiff. Guys' bodies change differently, and so you just you don't know how it's going to develop the next couple of years. And then you see guys that are as sophomores were two hundred twenty five pounds, Joe Alt, who just you know their bodies develop at a different time. So I think it's very hard to evaluate sophomore film for offensive linemen. Very hard to evaluate and then project it. I think it's more so about, for me, when I look at 24 and saying, hey, maybe I'd I'd be okay taking three next year or not going past four, because again, 10 in two years is pretty comfortable, not going past four next year. It's not so much about 24 is not a good O-line class. It's not a so far, it's not a super deep offensive line class from what I've seen so far. But again, it's way too because there's some 240 pound kid who's going to be 280 in two years, and you know that people are going to look at him. Exactly. There's some 250 pound kid who's going to be 275 as a junior, and he's going to be a better player. It's just that's how it goes. It's more about I just don't see them being better than you know finding. I mean, you, you just don't often see guys that are better than a Jagasaw, a Page, uh, and especially a Monroe Freeling. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, okay. It's not, there could be guys like them next year, but I know these guys are good now. And so I'll take them. And then next year I can really then focus on smaller numbers and go for elite talent. Right. And I think that would be, that would be the advantage to it in this particular instance. Again, I don't think you can do that every year. Cause then all you're saying is you're bringing six, knowing that two or three of them are going to transfer every year. And I don't think that's a healthy, a healthy thing to do in my opinion. I love this super chat from Alan Watson. Thank you, Alan. He says, future forecast for South Bend, sunny with a downpour of commitments. That's very well done. That's a much better joke than the one we heard in this chat a couple minutes ago. So, which, one, which one was that? Uh, we're on the same Elijah page. And Brian, <laughs> Brian <laughs> Panicchio uh, with a super chat, $5. Thank you very, 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 very much for that. Jay Henry asks, is Freeling better than Caden Proctor? They're completely different players. Mm-hmm. Is is Monroe Freeling a better left tackle potentially than than Caden Proctor? Absolutely, yes. I think I think Proctor could be a really good right tackle. I think he could be a dominant guard, like mm-hmm. very very good guard, maybe the best guard in college football in a couple of years. Like I think he has that type of upside at the position. I think he could be a really good right tackle too. I think in a power based system he could stick at left tackle, but I don't think that's the best spot for him. I really don't. So. I think Monroe Freeling is a better pure left tackle prospect than Caden Proctor. Proctor might have a higher upside at a different position, but then you're getting into the conversation of what's more important, a right guard or a left tackle, right? So there's a little bit of a compromise that needs to happen there. So at one position, yes, I think Monroe Freeling is better than Caden Proctor, but Proctor is a more versatile player. I hope that makes sense. It does. It does. I will say this. My my only thing, I've actually seen Caden Proctor in person. Mm-hmm. And and my question would be is as a quarterback, I don't know if I would want him playing in front of me a guard. He's extremely tall. Mm. Like that would be my only thing, It'd be my only concern. And and he's not a great bender. That would be the other thing. Like so that that would be my only, you know, but it, it works for Josh Lug. That would be my only somewhat question mark is if this kid grows much more, he may out he may outgrow the potential of moving inside the guard. But again, you, you put you him think in a, he's a pure right tackle then. I think he's a pure right tackle, yeah, and a really good one, really yeah. good one. And and I see the attributes that you see at guard, Ryan. I'm not disagreeing with that. The he's skill a farm, set, of, he's oh, a farm it, boy, man. Farm right. Boy, I mean, his yeah. like his calves, like literally, are like this big around. I mean, he's huge. 
And this was this was last April when I saw him. He was going into his sophomore or his uh, junior year, right? So I can imagine what it looks like now. So that would be my only. I agree with everything you said, skill set wise. It just the height is the only thing that would make me kind of give some pause about him potentially being a him potentially being that. What's wrong? Somebody asked you if there was alcohol in your drink. No, nah, no. Nah, someone said I need a Celsius sponsorship, and I was making sure that it wasn't. It's True North. It's not okay. Celsius. There you go. Sorry. That looks like it. All right. Let's see here. Some more questions from everybody. We appreciate the super chats and the questions. I like this comment. This isn't a question. This is a more of a comment from Big Jim. If Monroe Freeling is a better left tackle than Elijah Page, then Freeling is silly good. Well, yeah, he is. <laughs> I think you Agreed. nailed it, Jim. You nailed yep. it. Uh, he is really, really, really good. It ain't rocket science. The tag team of Bayless and Heastan has never been seen before. I would venture to guess that by the time that our Irish play at uh, Texas A&M, this Notre Dame O-line will be pushing those five-star Aggie D line around a good bit. Uh, you're actually wrong about that. It was a year, right? We have seen them together before, and they won the Joe Moore Award and produced two top 10 NFL draft picks that year. So in, in seriousness, Matt Bayless arrived in 2017. That was Harry stands last year. So we saw them together for a year, and mm-hmm. it was a heck of an offensive line. And if not for Alex Bars getting his knee torn up, you would have had and and Tom. I mean, Tommy Kramer. Here's the thing: Tommy Kramer starting is starting games in the NFL right now. With all the injuries he's had, I mean, they they were injuries away from four of those five guys being drafted. And technically, if you want to count Robert Hainsey as a starter on that team because he's kind of a co-starter, then it would have been four anyway because Robert was a third round draft pick. But you know, it was that. That's what I say is like two of the guys ended up going. Three of the four or five starters ended up going undrafted for different reasons and they won the Joe Moore award and they were excellent. And I, I went back and looked at the numbers and kind of broke down every game that year, Ryan, they averaged 5.9 yards per carry to the right side. And that's how good that offensive, that's how good that offensive line was. It's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Your <laughs> bad side, you're averaging almost six, six yards of carry. So that was, it's pretty good. It's pretty Must good, be nice. but Must be we nice. did see that group to that t- combo together and it was excellent. And, brief, and it, but it which it backs brief. up your which backs up your point the point uh, from the question of that duo together you know gives another name a chance to, to have something really 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 special you know, matt lee asks so adding a center at notre dame that is the potential that is the potential position that is the position they're recruiting him to play now obviously anytime you recruit a kid to play a position on the offensive line there's a chance i mean if a guy can play center you you think he can at least be a guard he's a guard in high school if a guy can be a right tackle, you think that he could probably move to guards. I mean, there's always some versatility, but the position there, they, they view him as the center. I mean, like just clearly the center in that in that class. So very, very good question. David Lowe says, how many wide receivers does Notre Dame have committed? They have one public commitment. Let's let that hang for a second. <laughs> Coleman Smith. How many recruits do you think uh, will commit this weekend? Sean on the Lucky Lefty podcast said that there could be up to three more commitments this weekend. I don't know if we'll see three more commitments this weekend publicly. Right. Simply because a lot of these guys have visits coming up. A lot of these guys uh, will do what Elijah Page did and do what Joe Otting did, which is commit but not down, you know, right away. So exactly. if we're going to say how many guys are going to commit this weekend, I would be shocked if it's three commitments this weekend if we're only including public commitments. But if there are 
we're talking about silent commitments. I think there'll be at least three. To, there could be at least could be at least three this weekend. And so, I mean, there's there's you know, as I kind of think through it, there's definitely a couple defensive players that I could see being going silent this weekend. And there's definitely two offensive players that I could see going silent this weekend as well. Everybody, Brian said that there's going to be three this weekend. Put huh? it somewhere. What? Just kidding. No, see, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Yep, I'm the com- I'm the com- I'm the comedic element on here, Ryan. I'm mm-hmm, sorry. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to work on that. Um, I we do we do yeah 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 we're gonna have to work on that. Um, definitely not what I not what I paid you for. Oh man, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Mister Hughtown says USC moved in front of us in the 23 team rankings. Depending on what site you look at, does this put us back in front? So first of all, the the site that has Notre Dame behind USC is on three. Uh, their ranking system is stupid. USC has seven commitments. They're number one. Alabama's number three with four commitments. Doesn't make so any sense. it's just as that... it's just as silly as when you look at the others and 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 Texas Tech is number two and Cincinnati's number four and Northwestern's number six because they have so many commits. So I, it, it, you know, I just I don't put a lot of stock in it. So here, here's here's how you know the Notre Dame's class is excellent. When you look at the rivals' top ten, okay, you, they have USC tenth. That's too low. On three as a number one, that's too high. There is a very high quality to their commit list, right? But the number two team is a three point two average star rating. Notre Dame is a four because Notre Dame does not have a single three star. Well, they have one three-star commitment in their class on rivals, but then the five-star commitment in the Keon Kelly balances it out. Cincinnati's 3.1, Ohio State's 3.9, Northwestern's 3.1, Penn State's 3.6, Arkansas's 3.3, Tennessee's 3.7, Louisville's 3.3, and then not until you get to USC, who's 4.3, do you have anyone that can match that? So it's the best class in the country right now. And I don't care what on three sports says on three sports also thinks that Devin Brown was the best player in the country last year. So I don't really put a lot of stock in what they, they also don't think Dante Moore is a top 40 player. So I don't put a lot of stock in, uh, in what on three's ranking system. And even though there are some that are really good for Notre Dame, if Notre Dame lands Charles Jagasol, that's phenomenal for Notre Dame from a ranking standpoint, because they have the number seven player in the country. Sure. But I love Charles Jackson. Right now, he's not the number seven player in the country. Could he eventually be that? Sure. If he plays for Harry Heastan for four or five years, he could be a top 10 NFL draft pick. But he's not that guy right now is the point. So I don't put a lot of stock in what they have to say. David Lowe says, does anyone have, does anyone know rival why rivals dropped Braylon James 130 spots? Other than they're just not good at this rankings thing. That would be my only response i'm not trying to take shots but the reality is is they're just they have some very silly stuff that they do it's so weird though isn't it i mean because yeah. you're looking at like a again a, a six two and a half six three wide receiver that is tested in the four fours with a 38 inch vert and hasn't done anything this offseason to justify that drop i just don't i, I just mm-hmm. don't understand it it doesn't make any sense other than he's going to notre dame i mean that could yeah. really be the only thing that you can come up with right i i, I re- i'm with you i really don't I really don't see anything else going on. I mean, because honestly, um, like, I mean, we've been talking about this all offseason, but what has Braylon James done this offseason to drop him 130 spots? Right. Even if he went to a camp and dropped 10 balls, right. that one camp doesn't change the fact that you watched all the film of him from his junior season. So it just, um, 
It just, you know, it'd be like if he shows up and ran like a five flat in the 40, like something like that. But we know that's not true because the kid's going to the state championship track meet in 110 meters in Texas. And right? he didn't even run the 110 high since eighth grade. And, right. he, and he placed it states. Right. A with a with a with a partially. No, that was Tobias Merriweather that did that. That one state with a partially injured hamstring. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another guy that rivals didn't think was, you know, that, you know kept dropping him in the rankings where where did rivals end up having uh tobias Merriweather? i don't believe he was a top 100 recruit i'm gonna look that up again i, th- I thought it was in the hundreds because i think i i went it was on like there at some he point. definitely wasn't in the top 100 no. it, it was was my point they had him kind of yeah 135 right so yeah i don't i don't have to question their their evaluations of uh of offensive linemen, uh, four, five, six. Seven. Yeah, Ryan, last year, Texas signed eight offensive linemen. No, I'm sorry, seven. One of them, they, I don't know why Rivals does this. They list long snappers as offensive linemen. So okay. unless they signed a six foot, 215 pound offensive lineman, I'm going to assume that's a long snapper. Good they signed, so, right, they signed seven offensive linemen. But again, that was out of need. They yeah. had to do that. Notre Dame's only doing that because, you know, They've got some really, really, really good players. I was actually looking at Texas. I was looking at Texas's projected depth chart on our lads the other day, Mm -hmm. and they, I think they literally had three projected true freshmen off. I could see that. I could see that. I, I, yeah, I mean, because I'm looking at it now, I could see maybe Kelvin Banks starting. I could see, I could definitely see Devin Campbell starting. You know, Malik Agbo, maybe, you know, maybe he could start as a freshman. I mean, they got some kids. I mean, their size of, I mean, Here's the size of their offensive line signees. 6'4", 295, 6'5", 315, 6'5", 320, 6'6", 370. It's a little too big. Wow. 6'5", <laughs> 295, 6'6", 320, 6'4", 310. So the point is, if you're going to have offensive linemen, they're going to come into play as freshmen. Ideally, you want to have a scenario in which some of those guys are just naturally big, that they can overcome deficiencies of maybe grown man strength since they're 18, or right. ideal technique because they're 18 and freshmen with just I can throw my weight around a little bit. Most mm-hmm. freshmen aren't Robert Hainsey with like impeccable technique the minute they step foot on campus, right? Sure. Most of these kids need to learn that. But the good thing too is with the kids at Texas is you've got one of the best line coaches in the country at Texas in Kyle Flood. I think he is. I think he's one of the five mm-hmm. best offensive line coaches in college football. Yeah. And I thought that was the – I mean, to me, that was the best hire that Steve Sarkeesian made. With all due respect to the receivers coach I hired who does a really nice job, he's hired yeah. some good coaches. It's just – it's like Harry Heastan. I mean, it's the equivalent of bringing back Harry Heastan for Texas. You bring in one of the best recruiters and developers of offensive linemen in the country. Because at the end of the day, Ryan, developing linemen is the number one selling point as a recruiter at that position more than any other, in my opinion. Agree. And they have to protect the greatest quarterback recruit of all time. So, mm, Wow. You were just on fire with the sarcasm today. That's what you? That's what 24-7 sports He had a me. perfect score. Per, greatest score ever. You can't have a better score than what Quinn Ewers had, which is that's what that's what two four seven told me, man. Absolutely absurd, absolutely absurd. I'm sure there it had nothing to do with hype at all. And click or, or, the, or the mullet, yeah, correct, uh, absurd. Mike Huff, it's just with a super chat. Thank you, Mike. It's just ridiculous. Now we left Walmart to shop down Fifth Avenue. What a class! I love that comment. Now. The one thing I will say is I get what you're saying, but Notre Dame has signed some pretty good players. 
right? Like they, they have signed some pretty good players. I would argue that Brian Kelly didn't get the most out of the players they got, but there were also recruiting deficiencies. So I love the pettiness. I love the pettiness, the shots that were taken at Brian Kelly. Those are all fun. Cause then it's not me doing it. Cause everybody gets mad at me. Like you talk about Brian Kelly too much. Well, I didn't I didn't bring it up. Somebody else did. But I also think sometimes we got to make sure that we, 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 he did, they, they did bring in some really good players and, and, and he would often not maximize those players, which was an issue too. Uh, so, um, and sometimes they won in spite of him, like, you know, Mike Elko wasn't shopping down Brian Kelly's aisle, right? Chip Long wasn't shopping down that aisle and, and Marcus Freeman wasn't shopping down that aisle either. So yeah, we'll have to see. John Bingham, thank you for the question, John. How many players do you see Notre Dame taking in the 23 cycle? Last year, AM and Georgia took 30. So I'm curious to see how many Notre Dame would be willing to take. I think though, I think they're gonna go over 25 for sure. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to envision them going past 27 just because you you don't have to worry about the 25 number anymore. That's gone, but you still have to worry about the 85. And that's still a thing. The 85 is still a thing that hasn't gone anywhere. Now, I still think that they screwed that up because with all these kids that are taking six years, you should have slowly worked back to 85. You know, you should have gone from unlimited to like 95 in 2021, 90 in 2022, and then maybe, you know, something like that would have should have been when they did it. But, you know, at CNCA, they don't think about rational things. They just say, hey, let's give blanket extra years to everybody and then not address the potential problem that's going to come up in two years when all these kids want six years and they don't have enough kids to to play. And then all these high school kids are left without scholarships. So let's not worry about that right now. We'll address it when it comes because we're the NCAA and we're stupid. Mm-hmm. Sorry, couldn't help myself. Jeff Fluke says, do you think the lack of a development receiver has hurt the development recruiting at DB? Iron sharpens iron, right? Thoughts on that, Ryan? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to a degree, right? I mean, you want. I, I think. I think there's something to be said about wanting to face, and it's a very cliche thing, but you want to try to play the best players every day in practice, right? So that when you get on the field in a real game situation, it's kind of easy, right? Well, easier, I should say. So I think that hurts. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's a couple positions. You talked about wide receiver. You talked about defensive back. There's been spurts of good recruiting, but the development has not been consistent, right? So I, I, I think so, yeah. I think that those two kind of go hand in hand. It's same thing with if Notre Dame wasn't offensive line you right there for a while under Coach Heastan, do they recruit defensive line quite as well as they were at certain points? I would argue it's kind of the same thing. It's a reciprocal type of thing. Mm-hmm. Got some more down here. Jay, update, Jay Henry, any updates with Braylon James? Jaden Greathouse? Jaden Greathouse. I was reading another thing that somebody gotcha. said that Jalen uh, Braylon James is the best receiver in our name is science since Will Fuller. So I was reading gotcha. that as well. And yeah, no, I do um, not sound like Joe Rogan. That's no. another thing in the chat. I do not sound like Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so <laughs> Jaden Greathouse is scheduled to. I'll take his the- money. I'll, I'll uh, take some of the money he makes. I'll take the Spotify I'll, deal. I'll uh, but I don't sound like Joe Rogan. Yeah. yeah. I just want a little <laughs> bit of it. So <laughs> Greathouse. <laughs> Great House is scheduled to visit Notre Dame next weekend, the 17th through the 19th. Mm-hmm. He is in a Notre Dame is in a really good spot with mm-hmm. him. We talked about it the last time they visited for the Blue Gold game. They hit it out of the park. They are the leader for Jaden Greathouse now. It's about closing. And I think mm-hmm. they have an opportunity to close during that visit. And getting him last is important. Yep. I believe he visited Texas the last weekend of May. Mm-hmm. And then between last weekend and this weekend, he's going to be at South Carolina and Oklahoma in one order. I forget the order of those two, but it'll be at South Carolina, Oklahoma. And then, of course, Notre Dame. That's his four finalists, Texas, Oklahoma, 
South Carolina and Notre Dame. So uh, I agree with Ryan. It's about closing, but Notre Dame is in a, is in a really good position. There's, there's no spot. question. Yeah. There's no question about it. I think that is all the questions we're going to answer uh, or that we have, I should say. Let's see here. And now I've been saying that I do sound like Joe Rogan. I don't think I, I've listened to Joe Rogan. I don't sound like Joe Rogan. Like Ryan is killing it. He absolutely is crushing it. No doubt. No doubt. Let me see if there's any more. Let me just scroll through here and see if there's any more questions here real quick. Oh, I don't think people... you, I don't I don't say you I don't think you sound like Joe Rogan. Thank you. Just Ryan. to put that out there. But you would say whatever you thought made me happy. You've been sucking up a lot today, which I which I, I, it's not just yeah. sucking up. You know that I'm having a really crappy day and you're just trying to make me feel better, which I really appreciate it. I'm an optimist, man. I'm here to make yes. everyone feel good. I appreciate it very, very much. Very, very much. All right. I think that is gonna do it for all of the questions. And Can I yeah. ask a question? Can I throw of a question? Of course, yeah, of course. Would you would you rather sound like Joe Rogan or Mel Kuyper? Well, I mean, one dude doesn't like smoke pot nonstop and sound, you know what I mean? But no, I think of the two, I'd rather probably sound like Mel Kuyper. I, look, I enjoy Joe Rogan, but like he's just an, an everyday kind of guy. You know, his language is a little coarse. And I mean, I enjoy Joe, Joe Rogan. I, have, I, I don't think it's an insult to sound like Joe Rogan. I just don't think I sound like him. Hmm. So, uh, I, I, I enjoy, he, you know, he's one of the few people that will bring in all different types of voices and people from different fields. And I just, I mean, I don't talk, sit there talk about like UFOs and whatnot, <laughs> the JFK conspiracy and whatnot, but I rather enjoy Joe Rogan. I just, I just don't think I sound like him. I think you kind of get upset when you, people say you sound like Mel Kuyper, like yeah. as if it's like an insult or something like that. I, yeah, it's like so I, I just start thinking about that meme where he just starts going, yeah. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, you don't sound like Fred Caliendo version of Mel Kuyper. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like the real Mel Kuyper, not the spoof Fair. Mel Kuyper. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um, so, uh, just to let every, remind everybody, we will have a show tomorrow. Sean Davis and I plan on going tomorrow. So, unless something comes up, that is when. Uh, Randy Scheller says, I, you, "I think you sound like Brian Driscoll." Amen, Randy. Amen. Uh, he got the he got the two L's. And it's all good. Out, it's all good. Um, don't mind it. Don't mind. That's the one you notice. You don't notice the first name. You notice that one. Uh, so, so the the um, Saturday show tomorrow, the RTC CB show or CF show will be back tomorrow. Sean and I have got some topics. It'll be fun for that. Monday, Ryan and I will be back for a, a recruiting hour at one o'clock. We'll wrap up this weekend's events. We'll have that. And then Monday night, this upcoming Monday. So Ryan, what will it be? The 13th of June, we're going to launch the IB Nation sports talk show at six o'clock Eastern. It's going to go every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And is uh, it's going to have Sean Styers as the host for that show. He's going to kind of take his own form. I've, I've allowed Sean to kind of come up with the format he likes. So he's going to have, He's going to kind of get share his thoughts on things. He's going to bring guests on at times. He's going to have a daily rapid fire where he brings a guest on and they just talk quickly, give thoughts on a, a lot of different topics. It's going to be good. It's it's going to be similar to the format he did when he was at WSBT Sportsbeat, which I thought, uh, which I mean, the job he did at WSBT, WSBT Sportsbeat is why I wanted to hire him. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll, obviously, Notre Dame football is going to be our number one priority. But with that show, the reason we went with Sports Talk is because we want to be able to have the freedom to talk about other things. If he wants to talk about the basketball team, people have asked, hey, you're going to talk about the basketball team, women's basketball, the hockey, the baseball team, you know, other different aspects of University of Notre Dame. That's just not me. 
That's not like I'm a football guy, right? And so, but Sean has done play-by-play for the baseball team. He is currently the women's basketball play-by-play guy. Uh, so I feel like he brings such a different aspect of it. And then sometimes we may talk about college football as a whole. We may talk about other sports topics. So we want to keep it a little bit more broad, knowing that Notre Dame football is still at the heart of who we are. But that allows us then on this channel to strict, strictly stick to football. Like this is a football and recruiting show. But now Irish Breakdown as an entity is going to branch out with a little different style because there are people that like talking about other sports and different things like that. So we will have that now. So it's going to be a great show. Tune in definitely Monday night at 6 o'clock Eastern. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, we are also going to change up. If you listen to the podcast, so if you're if you're listening to this via podcast or not listening to the live show, or if you are listening to the live show, but then you also listen to the podcast, we're going to change up how that gets produced as well. So, like, right now, I will do this podcast. I'll cut it up, edit it and I'll publish it in the morning. That's what we do for like our one o'clock show. Well, now what we're going to do is when we finish the 1 p.m. shows, we're gonna, I'm going to immediately cut those up, edit them, and then put them out on the podcast right then. So it's a little bit more, okay, right after we do the show. And then the morning show, so normally we, we release stuff at like six and nine. What we'll then start, we'll have Sean's come out in the morning. So if you're a podcast listener, Sean's, store, Sean's show, which will it's going to be an hour. It's not going to be like a Q&A at the end. It's just going to be like about a, about an hour-long show. Some may be a little bit more, some a little less. But it's going to be a different kind of show. Now, you can still do Super Chats and, and, and there'll be some engagement, but it's not going to be like the Q&A that we do. We'll put that up in the morning. So if you're a podcast listener, we're going to change up the time. We're actually going to have some stuff come out in the afternoon now. So on your 5 o'clock drive home, you're going to at least have one show most likely every day that we will, will be fresh. It'll be from that day, not... I'm now downloading the morning thing, which was actually yesterday afternoon show. So just so you all know, that's going to be a little bit of a change to uh, our podcast schedule. I think it's going to work uh, now that we've got the, the the second show every day. So I'm super excited about that. Mailbag's not going away. The Saturday show's not going away. The afternoon shows are going to stay the same, but we're just adding to it. And that's always the goal. So anyway, for Brian, that's Ryan. Thank Vince for being with us earlier. Of course, Elijah Page for being on the show. Fit, commitment number 15 for Notre Dame. Everybody have a great rest of your Friday night. We will see you again tomorrow on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.